one of the subjects was um, philosophy in Spanish. Philosophy in, in Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. Philosophy in English, in English would, is would like, be tricky yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone Spanish. Let Hey crew, on today's episode of In The Sticks, I sit down with my friend Rahul Nair. Rahul studies Spanish at university and as part of his degree, he did a pretty incredible exchange in Madrid at the back end of 2019. Rahul really immersed himself within the, the Spanish culture and community. He, he went over there knowing a little bit of Spanish, but came back quite fluent but I guess the, the most telling part of Rahul's story was that the time period that he was away. I'm sure you can do the maths, but Rahul was stuck in Spain when coronavirus hit and the, the pandemic shocked the world. Um, I'm not going to go into it too much now, although what I love most about Rahul's mindset and the way that he looked at it was that, well, I'm in Spain, I can't get home. I may as well enjoy it and take it for what it is. I really loved talking to Rahul. Um, he's got some really interesting thoughts uh, and he's certainly a bit of a, of a deeper thinker. And yeah, it was just an episode that I was genuinely curious about because I don't know anyone who was overseas during, during coronavirus. So I'll leave you to it. Enjoy, my friends. Welcome to In the Sticks. Thank you very much, man. I've got to um, I've got to put my hand up early and say that I'm a big fat dummy. We've had <laughs> a bit of a, a funky ordeal trying to get into the, the post in tonight. Um, there was a bit of a mix up with the keys that was ultimately my fault that I didn't understand the message the messaging correctly and saw a bit of a delay. But we're here now and. Um, very keen for it. We made it in. Who <laughs> <Rahul> was even <laughs> suggesting we, we put a crate on top of a heater and jump the fence, which luckily we didn't have to we didn't have to do, which gotta, is gotta be nice. ambitious sometimes to get in, yeah. <laughs> gotta be crafty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, thank you so much for jumping on. This is one that I'm really excited for. Um, mainly around so yeah, you've done you've done a big single trip that that's pretty monumental in your life that mm-hmm. I want to touch on today. What was most special about it is the time period you're away. So when you're away for this long period of time, it was sort of pre-COVID, during COVID, I guess, the the aftermath of COVID. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, can't wait to get into that today, mate. Um, so the that trip, the the travel that we're referring to, that revolved around an exchange. Is that right? Yep, started off with an exchange and then kind of got into a bit more yes. adventures. So with that, mate, I want to – because exchange is something that I am so disappointed that I didn't get the opportunity to do. So I was looking to go on one sort of pre-COVID and mm-hmm. was looking during the COVID years to actually do one. But as COVID came became a thing, I wasn't – it didn't wasn't longer, chance. yeah, an opportunity. So – Something I really, yeah, sad that I didn't get to do. But um, I want to dive into your exchange and your experience. First off, um, in the lead up and the the preparation to to going on your exchange. So first off, where did you go and, and how did you pick where you where you wanted to do your exchange? 
So I chose to go to Madrid, Madrid, Spain. Um, I guess I kind of stemmed from studying law and arts, majoring in Spanish studies. Kind of just wanted to get close with the culture and I guess it kind of worked best to go to Spain, obviously, if I'm kind of you know studying that. Yeah. So I chose Spain, kind of tossed up, you know, America and things like other places in Europe, but I decided to stay with Spain just, yeah, mainly to link back to my degree. Um, but the whole process was kind of quick but felt also at the same time a bit difficult you know because i think the actual way to apply for exchange wasn't as easy as everyone thinks it is of course you know a lot of people want to do exchange but they find it that the process can be difficult but at the end it's definitely worth it you know like when you realize when you step back and actually look towards it but of course thinking the yeah thought about how where i actually wanted to end up while in madrid um so was there many... So hold on, where'd you go to uni first? Let's start there. Go to uni at La Trobe. So you went to La Trobe. La Trobe, yep. Um, how long before you actually went to Madrid for your exchange did you start preparing and applying and doing that type of thing? So started studying straight out of year 12, which was 2017, I believe. So 2018 was first year. Um, then I think it's maybe my second semester and I started, you know, doing Spanish O2 and like the teacher kind of brought up like there's opportunities to go to Spain and like I thought like this, you know, being out of uni, you wouldn't think this is actually a thing. You hear about it, you don't think it's actually going to happen. And so I kind of was in my, my, my mind for a bit, but then I think more in 2019, um, I kind of was more serious about it and then started the first semester, um, you know, speaking to teachers and had another mate with me as well, had the same idea and thought that, you know, it was, yeah, like I said, it was an easy alternative as opposed to just studying on campus. But chose, yeah, chose Madrid um, to kind of, yeah, coincide with my studies and it helps with having someone with you as well. Same okay. time, I guess a lot of people think traveling alone, obviously I do recommend traveling alone, but it helped also having some other friend help you the same, kind of push each other because, you know, a lot of confidence lacks sometimes. You're like, oh, I want to travel there, I want to do exchange, but such a big thing at the same time. So having that person with you helped. Yeah. So you had a mate who was studying the exact same degree, the same class or? He was actually studies archaeology. Right. Um, and Do we give him a shout? What's his name? Uh, Brad. Bradley. Brad. Shout out to you, yeah. Brad. Legend. <laughs> <laughs> he was the one that I studied, um, met in Spanish class. And right. Kind of, you know, kind of thrived off each other and kind of thought, let's do it. You know, it's kind of like you pull the trigger um, and... Spoke to a few counsellors, um, you know, advisors being, how would you actually go about and doing this? You know, and there's a lot of programs to kind of get yourself into that. Um, but I think what we found challenging in that first instant was trying to actually start the actual process. So there's a lot of forms, like, you know, police clearances, um, applications. And at that point, nothing's ever set in stone. So you're still banking on the fact that in second semester, so I think we started in semester one, like so totally you, smarted, you started semester one, 20, 2019. 2019. Okay, mm. interesting. 2019, so what that would be my second year. And I think the requirement for exchange is you have to finish a year. Yeah, I think the first year you have to finish, then you can only do it. I don't think first years can actually straight away go on exchange. Right. So I had the idea in semester one, 2019, and then banked on the idea of semester two that we're going to go overseas. Yeah. And so all these applications and things... Um, and I think we just, you know, got all these documents together. At, at this point, we're still thinking like, you know, we're not actually, we're not actually going to be in exchange. Like, yeah, you know, we'll give it's it a, hard to... Yeah, we'll give it a crack and like see what we get. So we're still like, you know, putting through like exams and stuff like that. And then kind of got accepted. Um, we left in August 
20th, I believe, August 20th, um, 2019. I think about a month before. They only gave us a month. Like, you'd expect, like, go on exchange. So you only got confirmation that you were accepted a month before you a were month, leaving. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. A month crazy. before, yeah. Like, you think, especially with, especially with the Spanish government, like, I've realised... They like leaving things to like, not to distant the government, if anyone's listening from Spain, like by the <laughs> Spanish government, but um, they tend to leave a lot of things to the last minute, especially with the application. Like you had to get your visa sorted within like, you know, a month's time, you know, so we had to- Dude, so yeah, yeah. That, that month leading into it would have been pretty stressful. That was, yeah, so stressful, especially like, you know, we're trying to go to the consulate in Spain and sorry, the consulate in Carlton here in Melbourne, trying to get the visa sorted. And they're taking their time. We're trying to say like, you know, we were going in a month to get all this done. And eventually they kind of processed the visa and we got that sorted. Then booking flights, which, you know, pre-COVID was like, yeah, still like pretty good price, you know, reasonable. Um, and then we also applied for like a grant. Um, so yeah, that was about to ask about. So yeah, tell us about the grant that- The grant, like the funds. Cause, getting. Yeah, because you think that, you know, going to Spain, which quite an affordable city as well. Like, I think it's one of the more affordable cities in probably Europe. Okay. High up there. Um, how much did they give us? Then they gave us about $1,000, which is reasonable, I guess. Was that, because I know there's some grants that are actually a loan that's added to your hex. Was this just $1,000 This is straight to your, yeah, to? straight to your account. All we had to do was once we get to the uh, university, is like hold one of those banners that say, you know, we're on Latro abroad and like do like a little video so me and Brad is outside the library, like, you know, like showing like, trying to like cool angles and stuff, like, you know, <laughs> get down to the exchange, like, get down, you know, you'll be, it's like, it's pretty just like, get down, you know, do this, like, you know, you got to get down to um, Latrobe Exchange Fair, do this, and then. This is over in Madrid, This is over in Madrid, yeah. 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 <laughs> so at this point, we don't know if we're going to get the grant still. We're still like hoping the fact that we oh, get so, there. Oh, so you already got there. It didn't, it wasn't provided to you before you left. Before, no. Oh, okay. Because then like, if they give us the money, they're probably thinking like, are they going to actually going to pull through with it? Are these students going to just try and take this 1K and just I like guess that bounce, makes you know? sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we did this little video and then we got like 1K, which helped a lot in that time, but- It would have. Leading up to it, like also trying to find, you know, rent and stuff like that. Yeah. How was that know. process? What did we use? We used like a, through the university, like they suggest a lot of, you know, companies through university, but that didn't, res I think- you think like people, international students come in here, they have, you know, they live on campus and stuff like that, but it's just way too expensive. I think it's just like a, a scheme. They're trying to get students to come there. Not a scheme, like it's like the second time dissing the government. And <laughs> but um, not a scheme. Dinner against yeah. the, the, the Spanish government. Nah, I love so. it. Love it. Yeah, very, very friendly people. Um, we used... So sorry, you're saying that the, the uni campus accommodation was more expensive than what it should have been or surrounding options? Uh, more than it should have been because we were so there's like there's like central Madrid right which is like where all like this like you know city and stuff is but our campus was more like up north the thing is like what maybe f an hour on the train from the city oh okay so like we would get off the train and it'd just be like pretty much like South Mark. I don't know if you know South Mark. you just see just just land like so far north you know I think they built it like up in Alcobendas like so north so any accommodation there would have been so like difficult to get because it's not much places and plus you're so far out like you would finish union this like you don't want to come back to the central you know because it's so far away of course yeah yeah out there mm. speak pretty much in the sticks as you'd say ah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> um so but instead we kind of we you know i used facebook but they used this it's called idealista which is kind of just pretty much like a gum tree for houses in okay Spain, cool you know? yeah 
and we kind of found like cheaper rent, but we tried to find a place together first and we couldn't find anything. Ah. So we kind of tried separately and then found something, but it's like, you know, way too expensive. But eventually we went to like an Airbnb equivalent of, it's over there. I can't, uh, can't the name of it, but pretty much Airbnb equivalent. It's like maybe a week out before we actually found a place and, you know, quite expensive, but like we just got a place. So yeah. managed to snag that for like, Thing like two months until the rent finished, and then we're okay. going to find another place. Okay, so it wasn't wasn't too bad of a process. Would be nicer to be with with Brad, but oh, uh, so the, the first place first was place was yeah. Okay, we had like separate. You know, we're trying to toss that with like who's got the balcony and like who doesn't because it's a small house and like that's probably the first time you know being what nineteen years old. That's the first time also moving out. Yeah, myself, like of course, traveling. So like living with other people was like so like foreign to me, you know, but. You would have, yeah, you would have grown up pretty quickly. Yeah, after you know, maybe after the first couple of weeks, I'm like, oh, this is this is lifestyle. <laughs> this like, is being this is grown yeah, up. this is what it is. Like, <laughs> young but still getting stuff done. You know, love that man. <laughs> yeah, so take us back. You're a pretty naive 19 year old mm-hmm. embarking on your first big overseas trip. You you touch down in in Madrid with good mate Brad. What yeah. it, what are your initial thoughts, feelings? Um, getting there was super hot. Um, I think it was like 30 degrees um, in general. Um, but going down, you know, landing and just hearing just Spanish the whole time was, you know, completely, of course, foreign, you know, coming to Australia. So how good was your Spanish coming over? At this point, I would have had maybe two classes. So I think what, it was like B2 <laughs> level or B3, maybe C, A, B. You've done two classes of Spanish I ever. Said not two classes, sorry, like two, two semesters. semesters. Sure. Two or maybe three semesters. Sure. So like general basic Spanish, you know, but I thought, Going into it, I'm like, see how it goes, you know, because I know Spanish people they don't speak that much, you know, English that well. At least we, we were told that. But, you know, going there, I thought, oh, the English level is actually not too bad. So landing in Madrid and hearing just Spanish, I'm like, oh, man, like, this is what we're going to hear for the next six months. Like, we're going to really, like, pull up and kind of learn of Spanish. Course. Like, you know, you've got no option. No option, yeah. We'll how, what percentage of people speak English in Madrid, would you say? Uh, I wouldn't say a lot. Like, I think none of it would be like the first, you know, first language. Like a lot of schools, like their, when you go to their English ability is kind of poor, depending on, I'd say my Spanish, their English is probably better than my Spanish at that point. But in terms of percentage now, I can't put a figure to it. Quite small. But quite small, yeah. So going there, just like, you know, every place is speaking Spanish. That was kind of eye-opener, you know, like the first night arriving there and thinking, yeah, like we're going to have to learn like the language. Like of course. it's kind of like also before leaving there, before arriving in Madrid, we said to ourselves like, if I'm not, you know, if I don't leave Madrid speaking Spanish, like such a waste of time. Of like, course. You know, yeah. So you had a real mission to definitely to, yeah, to learn Spanish, to learn and just come back and be like, you know, when you come back and people ask like, oh, do you speak Spanish? Like I want to be like, yeah, you know, and not yeah. just be like, oh, you know, a little bit like. Yeah, you want to own the, the fact yeah. that you can and yeah, hold a conversation. Which we got, yeah. You got we there got in like, the end? Got there in the end, I think. Like, okay. you know, especially staying, you know, from there, moving to Mallorca and like staying all that. I think, yeah, definitely helps. Being very integrated in society, I think is wow. very key to learn the language. Of course. Yeah. Well done on that, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, so what was your, what was the settling process like? What were your, what was your day to day? Was it, were you working? Was it all just uni classes? Explain sort of, yeah, what your weeks would look like in Madrid typically. Yep. So we had, I think after arriving in Madrid, we had about a week to kind of set in and kind of you know, organize everything. So we managed to find this 
like agency that helps students in the situations to kind of, you know, get you on your feet and kind of start your life there. So, you know, organizing public transport, getting your, I guess, like foreign residency card, um, getting your phone, like phone SIM, like all this, like all the small stuff. Just like little things. Yeah. So that helped out a lot a bit. And then we started uni going in maybe a week after, um, Still didn't meet many too many people at that point. I think you know we kind of me and Brad were just kind of chilling and enjoying. Just you know, were you amongst um, other Aussies doing exchange, or was it just you two guys from Australia? It was. So when we so from Latrobe, it was just us two and another one other person from um, Melbourne. When we got there, like me and Brad, because you know it's, it's it's hell north, right? So you don't expect there's not that many people in there, and we just walked to like the cafeteria, like the lunchroom, and you see like. Oi! We're like, who's that? Like, Oi! I'm like, you turn around, just like these like four like guys from Sydney, just like talking shit, oh. and you see every person like Spanish person sitting there, just like looking at them, thinking like, <laughs> what are these people saying? And then I was like, are you Aussie? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, at that point, just like a sense of like relief, like, oh, yeah. what the hell? Like, and you, you couldn't believe it. You, you know? wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't be. Able, you like, you would think, think it's gonna happen, but like actually hearing you're like, oh, like you feel a bit of you know sense of home, and like so I spoke to them for a bit, and just like you know. Classic Lara can just like us, just like chilling there, like enjoying the time there. But they were doing exchange as well. They were doing exchange as well, yeah. So we had, a, I don't think we had, we didn't have many classes with them, but they were kind of on campus and stuff like that. So we had like, I think we were doing six subjects. So usually we do like four subjects here, but doing six subjects there was more, because their point system is kind of different. So they have less points that equivalent over to subjects in Melbourne. So doing six subjects, three of them in Spanish and three of them in English. Um, one of the subjects was um, philosophy in Spanish, you know. Philosophy in, in Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. So we thought we'd give it a, you know, I thought I'd just, you know, try it, like choosing subjects. You couldn't, cause we were quite limited to the amount of subjects we can choose. And we're like, let's just, you know, let's just try philosophy. Like already philosophy, you can imagine. Right. It's like so like full on. There's so much things going on, right? Philosophy in English, in English would, is would like, be tricky yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone Spanish. Let al yeah, Spanish. So we went in the first class and... We're learning about uh, Descartes and if the guy who's, you know, his main concept is like, I think, therefore I am. Like, you have, because I think I have the subconscious of thinking, therefore I am a person. And right. like this whole thing of just like him going in Spanish. But so he's, like, he's explaining that in He's Spanish. explaining, yeah. So he's explaining like we're sitting, you know, it's like a first day in, um, you know, in, in our class and we're sitting. And like he wouldn't go, like you would think like, it's like, you know, hey guys, you know, this is Spanish class. Like straight away, like, you know, sit down. Strange to Spanish. And like, you look around all the whole class, everyone's just like, are we thinking like, are we the ones that don't know what's going on? Like, what's everyone else's ability here? And he starts explaining all these like, you know, vocab and like in like subconscious, like, you know, this, that. And we're like, what is going on? But then throughout the like weeks, we're like, oh, like we got to the point where like, we're putting our hands up and trying to say like. <laughs> and you would answer in Spanish? Yeah. Oh, like, amazing. That's it, like, yeah. But like the most like broken Spanish at that point, you know, especially did philosophy. You, did you sort of find that you've got a, um, You've got to lose any pride you sort of have around that and just not give a fuck and just try and, and use your Spanish. Yeah. Is that something you came to realise? you got to like, because it's already in uni, it's already, you know, difficult for some people or like, you know, even me, just like putting your hand up and saying stuff in English. But I think you just got to like, everyone's in the same boat at that point. You know, you can't just, you can't just, you know, say to yourself, you got to actually get, put yourself out there to be able to learn from your mistakes at that point and hear how you speak, you know. And the teacher was also quite, he knows that, well, you know, we're all kind of like this, but especially I think with languages, you know, you got to try and like practice it like that, not just, you know, do it just like one day or two days or like, but kind of actually talk to people like that and learn from like, yeah, your mistakes and like, you know, just integrate like that. 
Of course, man. Yeah, it's certainly, yeah. Learning any language, you, you just got to put yourself out there, mm-hmm. don't you? Of course, man. Yeah, philosophy, uh, <laughs> Wouldn't recommend. Was, no. I mean, you, you learn a lot, so that's the kind of good way to look at it, I guess. Of course, yeah. man. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I want to know also, how did you integrate within the, the Spanish community and the locals? Were you, did you have any close local friends or did you stick to kids doing exchange or how did that work? So I guess the first few weeks, maybe, yeah, first few weeks was kind of like quite, quite scared to go meet people, especially it's very difficult to, you know, um, meet people your age. So we kind of went to like those uni nights in, in at uni. When you think like here, you know, in Melbourne, like oh. who's going to go to uni nights, but like, you know, but dude, underrated. Of <laughs> we, it's on that, man. It's weird mm. how disassociated we are as maybe even just people from Melbourne, mm. we are with our universities. Yeah, like yeah. me going to Monash University, I do not associate myself at all with, the club with Monash. Like, like, I, nah. like that's the furthest thing from my identity, even though that's where I did my degree. It's funny mm. how, I guess in the US it's big, I'm sure around the world, people really align with their university, university. or their college. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so was it like that in Spain? Was there uh, that pride to be a part of... Your university? Right, a little bit, but I guess as international students, so like in the classes we were, we were only with international students. So we went right. with, which kind of was okay, but you know, you kind of wanted to be with students that are also local. So it kind of didn't help too much. You'd have people from, you know, different places in Europe and like, you know, Canada from like Vietnam and stuff. So in sense of pride, I guess no one's being like, oh, you know, you know, comias, you know, like pride, we'll wear those colors or anything like that. But uni nights, like they hold, I think it's specifically for like uni, um, international students, right? So you went to a few of those, you know, like bars and like, you know, free bar tab and stuff like that. And like, you know, you flash your like student card and you get sort of like discounts and stuff, which is pretty good. But that didn't help too much with, you know, integrating the society, you know, it helped more with um, going to bars and like actually speaking to just random people, you know, which is like, yeah, kind of but weird. So you would get a lot of locals go to these nights still that you could still, yeah, immerse not yourself as much in. as you would think, especially in international students. So I thought, you know, me and Brad thought we had to kind of, Venture out a little bit, like, you know, we didn't come all the way to Madrid to speak to some guy from Canada, you know, or like from like Germany, like, of you know, course. we want to kind of speak to like Spanish people, you know? So we, um, we actually had, um, most of our friends at that point was actually from a, um, a social club, which is, um, um, called Gasolina, which is, um, more like a, you know, it's like a, like a, like a coffee shops in, um, Amsterdam, right? Right. But it's like, cause Madrid is very like, you know, I guess decriminalized like, they're know, liberal like, with their AU getting out there, their mari- marijuana. You said what you're yeah. trying to say? Yeah. yeah. Okay. In a subtle like, context. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They got a lot of social clubs, right? Sure. Um, which, which we actually knew someone that was running one was actually from Melbourne. Oh, okay. He was from Kilo and we're like, how does, you know, what's the chance of that? He lives in- He, he lives, lives in- On, Madrid, the, on campus. He, okay. So no, it's, it's not on campus. It's sure. back on like central, um, like, you know, CBD. Um. So we met a few friends from that, but then also I was teaching English to kids in within like like tutoring kids in oh, like incredible. in Spain. Like um, so I found like an agency and like you know go in the kids' house. They'd be like maybe like between ten to like fifteen, like young kids. Like you know that's the first time actually dealing with kids as well. I'm not like much of a kid person, so that was kind of a whole different like you know integrating society. Like me and the parents, like you know learning the vocab of kids and at points it was like, I'm teaching them, but they're teaching me. Like, of course, man. The way I was teaching them was like, I'm kind of teaching them English. But I'm like, you know what? What's, 
what's this word in Spanish? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm writing notes at the same time. Like, well, like, you know, <laughs> going back and forth and like, you know, like teaching them like rap verses and like stuff like that. Oh, just dude, like that sounds so wholesome. That, that yeah. in itself, that sounds like the experience that you had where you really got amongst Spanish culture yeah. and society. Specifically like that. Um, <laughs> did you see anything or did you notice any difference between Australian culture and, and Spanish culture? I guess in the, in the grassroots mm. and through being amongst families and that type of thing? Good question. Um, I'd say the more, you know, you laid back nations there. Like, you know, they're very like, they have this thing um, there in Spain for siesta. You know, you heard like fiesta is like a party. Ah, yes. But like siesta culture is like kind of like a time during the afternoon where every place shuts down and everyone just kind of has a nap, you know, and just kind of like liberates a little bit for that time, which I guess we don't have that much here. But in terms of, I guess, you know, like the way people, I think the friendliness I found was quite similar to Spain and here, or specifically so Madrid. Like people were open to speaking to you and they they would have conversations with they would if you people spoke, they didn't know. If you had a little bit of Spanish, like I think even if you made the attempt to speak to people, they kind of make the effort to like, oh, you know, he's kind of trying, you know, kind of learning. So we're going to like kind of speak with you and like, you know. Kind of friendly. I'm not sure if that's just what I found, but yeah. I, I definitely found that, you know, when going there, it was, yeah, people very friendly in that sense. Yeah, that's awesome. Like some people might say, you know, they're completely, like, different like that. Um, of course. So, yeah, so you really enjoyed that that tutoring and... Yeah, tutoring, like, kids. kids like that. And then I guess another aspect was playing basketball with, like, or basketball and, like, soccer with, like, the locals as well. Oh, going wow. down when you're saying you're from, you know, from Australia, they're, like, they're thinking, like, you know, we, we never get people that are coming from Australia. Especially with like, you know, especially like a brown skin saying you're from India, but raised in Melbourne and you speak Spanish. That just like oh, blows man. them, you know? They're like, <laughs> you're what? An like, who are you? Like, you're what is this person? Enigma. Like, they couldn't believe it, you know? Um, but yeah, like going to like local soccer courts, like my mum, I mean, Ollie Smith, he came down for like two weeks. And oh, like, did he? We were there. We went to go like basketball, like every morning, like, you know, balling up at like 8am with like all these locals and they're like trying to like, you know, teach us stuff like that. So... That was another method of like, you know, integrating or going to, I think specifically integrating society, there's like different ways you can kind of integrate, you know, there's like, specifically I found, you know, there's, there's university, then it's like, you know, your bar, bar culture and you might go to your local pub and you know, you're with like, you know, older men enjoying like sport. Then there's like, you know, more young, younger people. And then there's like the teaching English, so you're just a kid. So kind of like a widespread of like different ways to kind of get involved in society. Of course. And you've sort of hit three yeah, different types there. Which yeah. Is as opposed to just staying with just like, you know, within just uni, you know, cause you go on exchange, you still want to study, but also, you know, get more out of it and actually, you know, make the most out of it. Of course, there. man. You've, yeah. You sound like you've absolutely killed your exchange experience and it's Very enjoyable that, yeah. that I would <laughs> wish, wish that I could have done. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man. So I'm doing the math. So you go over in August of 2019. I'm assuming it was around a six month exchange. It was three months. Three months. So similar to a semester here. So we finished up at about end of November. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So in my calculations, that is approaching a time where something started to, a little something started deadly. to creep <laughs> into the world. Yeah. Um, around the start of, I guess, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first I heard of COVID, I was in Bali over New Year's with a few what lads. That? Yeah. And it was just a joke originally. Like it didn't feel like it was an actual thing of, of any type. People would, yeah, would joke that. I remember the first person who, 
I remember the famous person getting it was Rudy Gobert, I think, the NBA player, yeah, who took yeah. the piss and he just didn't think it was a real thing. Yeah. He was touching everything. All the mics, So yeah. it was still like a joke to me. And it, mm. even throughout COVID, it was never a fear for me personally. But take us back to your initial recollection, being overseas in a foreign country and learning about coronavirus. So I think it was always similar to you. I think, you know, especially, I think, Spain was considered to be like one of the epicenters at one point. It know? was, wasn't it? Now yeah. that I think of it, was I think that they were one of the first ones to actually do lockdowns? Ah, oh. um, yeah. Compared to, I think it was Italy as well, but I think it started spreading in, in you know, Spain. And I can see why they got, you know, especially in Spain, they had this thing that germs don't exist. So if you go, you go to a bar, right, you would sit down and have like tapas. You know, they'd get a beer and they bring food out. And it's kind of like if you don't finish your food, you leave. People will sit down like around and be like, and eat, take it yeah. and eat it. And it's, it's so fun. And I guess this is why my COVID happened. You right. know? But the culture of like no germs, you know, it just was so you know prevalent there. So I think that was quite maybe something that kind of stemmed up to it. But specifically, you know, I left Madrid and then went to Mallorca in the start of Jan. And that's when things start to get a bit more. Yeah, you hear about it. At this point, you're like, oh, you know, COVID, like everyone's joking back at home. Like no one thinks it's legit. We're still like laughing. Like it's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden it's just... Spain's going to lock down. We're like, what? Like, so no. do you remember uh, what month Spain went into lockdown? I think it was maybe Jan or Feb. Okay. I that would have been so early in the peak, in yeah. the piece because pitch still happened in Melbourne. That's in March. So you guys are in lockdown where it's not a thing for us yet. It's not yet. pretty crazy. So yeah, you guys would have been a bit after, right? Yeah. I think it's maybe Feb, maybe Jan. I think like second or third week of Jan. It's kind of like getting all, you know, all the, you know, unfortunate deaths and like, uh, not injuries, but yeah, people getting sick. And it is still kind of a joke. You're like, and then all of a sudden it's, we're going to lockdown, you know, this is happening. And, you know, we started like, I was teaching English at a school as a language assistant and they shut the school down and we're like, oh shit, this is getting like proper serious, you know? Like you got police patrolling the streets and, you know, we were living on the West, like um, coast in Puerto Cristo was maybe like, Five to like five to eight thousand like people living there, right? So it's a very small community, and so you'd have days where like police are patrolling the place, making sure you know you're not leaving for no reason. Or there was a time where they actually enforced like the only reason similar to here why you're going to the supermarket is for essential items. But there I am going like you know at like you know like two p.m. going with like my longboard down to the down to the supermarket and like put like these my backpack. I'm, like, <laughs> got a couple of, like bread and like tuna cans in case I get pulled yeah. over because they'd pull you over like the militia would like ask what your reasons are. Really? Yeah. So it was more hardcore than it ever was in Melbourne during that? I think so, yeah. Wow, okay. At least we were on an island, so it was quite, you know, secluded. But I know Madrid was, you know, covering it pretty bad. Like everywhere's closed, like, you know, no one's going out, you know, streets similar to here. But the fact that, you you know, you're getting questioned to like, why are you leaving? Like, I think, I you know, they check your bags sometimes here and there. Because you can imagine if you've got like, you know, like just not essential items, like just not food items in the check and like, why do you have this? You know, people getting fined, like ridiculous fines for just like not being out of being out of the house. So we were quite secluded to like just one household. And at that yeah. point we, we were two other friends as well. So we kind of had a whole house together. Which it's crazy, helped. man. It was COVID was, was crazy enough here at home in Melbourne, but yeah. what was it like in a foreign country? Like what were your, what were your options? Could you, did you look to fly back potentially or, what, yeah, what could you, what were your decisions that you could make and ended up making? Well, we, well, the funny thing is like, you're telling people, you know, you're telling your friends back at home, you're stuck, right? And then like 20 minutes later, you see, 
you send them videos of you at the beach and everyone just like, <laughs> you're not stuck. Like, you know, don't say you're stuck. Even now when I tell people I was stuck, but, but the sad things side of it was like, we had, you know, our plan was to fly out in July, um, 2020. Right. Yeah. And so at that point we, f- I don't know, much before that, I think it's things like June. So we had, a, we had our bags packed and all that ready. Between that, we still had flights. We had, you know, we booked to like, you know, France. We booked to like Ibiza as well. That all got, that all got cancelled as well. But the kind of disheartening feeling was like, all right, we're actually going home. And like a week before, the flights get cancelled. I think that, that happened maybe three or four times. So sorry, did your your flights got moved forward or it's... Because so res- you're, in, you're in sort of February, March now. Fe- February, March, yep. So we waited. We were still there for like May, June. Yeah, almost... Yeah, two months, we were still there. At that point, we're like, we're not going to change our tickets, you know. We're still going to stay here. So you made and the decision to stay in lockdown in, in, in Spain. Yeah, because the flights back were like 40K. Like some ridiculous, like wow. on purpose, they're putting it up, you know. Like something ridiculous, like, all right, we're not flying back. Like we thought about it, like, you know, especially with money and stuff like that. But luckily, I was on a government contract with the school. That's probably the best thing. Like working for the government, not working, schools are shut, but still getting paid the whole time. Really? Like that was such a blessing. Oh, yeah. dude. So like pretty, literally doing nothing. I was still tutoring kids there, but like not working and getting paid. And I still say I'm stuck. You know, this is what people yeah. are like, you weren't stuck, but like thinking that like- You, you were, know, bro. Like I would, I would pay you know. that because mm. if you wanted to go home, you couldn't go home. You couldn't, you, yeah. You, it would have been a ridiculous amount of money that you would, have to pay, you would have to pay and it just wouldn't be viable. So you were stuck, bro. Which is, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and and it's debatable as to how enjoyable your you being stuck was because it sounded mm-hmm. not the worst, but it, you still didn't. It was. You the couldn't worst. come back over, could you? Yeah, but they. I think it's points that actually shut down the whole airport. So even if you wanted to come back, you couldn't come back. You know. So we thought about you know flying back like a few you know a few other friends and we're like should we actually try and get back? I'm like okay, we can't. Let's just. Let's just enjoy. In the end of the day, we're still in Mallorca. You know, you still got to enjoy the time here, even though if we're in lockdown, you know. So we kind of, yeah, looking back, it's like, you know, long days, but eventually came to like July. I'm like, all right. Could you, so could you leave your house? Or you, you had to be indoors? Well, at points, so that's at like certain time. stages, you know, similar to, yeah, like stage one, stage two, like I live pretty close to a beach, like a two, like two minute walk to a beach. So like we could still go for a swim, but eventually we, they said no swimming. They say no swimming, but that you can still like kind of go to the beach. So the moment you can, you can go like, di- you know, kind of dip yourself in. The moment you start, the you start freestyling, <laughs> like you're out, start. you know. So, you start breaststroking. Uh, yeah, like as soon as you're like, home, you're boy. out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so we just chill. I like, got a couple of strokes in here and there. Like, you know, <laughs> had to, but so we, yeah, sometimes, most of the times we stayed within the house. You know, you couldn't do much traveling. So yeah, they're quite long days, but some days you were like, some weeks you were allowed to travel like within like vicinities, you know, they had like provinces within Mallorca. So you could travel maybe like 15 kilometers to the next suburb and then there'd be another suburb right. and have checks there as well. So you could still travel a bit, but- a, a bit of leeway, but not too much. Not too much. Yeah. Still enough to get around, but- So what was, yeah, what was the, the general consensus within Mallorca and the, the, the locals there? Was there, was there genuine fear in the community or was it- it wasn't too bad. Um, it started off being like not too bad, but then like we actually like some of the teachers I was working with had people that started passing away. Oh, and I was like, oh shit, this is actually kind of getting more serious. Like it's getting away from the point of, oh, it's just Corona. And then like people actually, you know, passing away. And then he's kind of the whole, like I said, like the community is quite small there. Like, you know, 
you'd walk in the street and as a teacher, like everyone would be like, know who you are and stuff. Like, you know, it's like a local community. So yeah. people were quite, I guess, you know, in sorry at that point and they still kind of, you know, stuck together and still, I guess, abided by the rules like and, and regulations and stuff like that. But at points, you'd always have people like, you know, driving the street, like being like, still like hooliganism is still there, you know, yeah. caring, of course. But the general consensus is more like, I think people would kind of just want to stick to that and then kind of get their freedom later. Of know, course, which yeah. Which got to there in, in the end. Yeah. So, yeah, what was, the, what was the way out in the end? So how long did you make your original flights in, in July? So from then, so we flew back to Madrid from there and then we had a week before flying and then it got cancelled again. Right. So then it got rescheduled for like another week, another two weeks, I think. And so we had to get another place. So there's four of us got a place. And that probably got cancelled two more times. At this time, we have Sorry, the flight or the, the accommodation? flight. So it gets cancelled once. It gets cancelled once. We book accommodation for a week. Sure. Next week comes around, gets cancelled again. Like book accommodation for another week, gets cancelled again. And then we're like, all right, this is, this is, this is too much. So that's like, three you know, times. That's three times at least. And at that point, we're like, all right, I think Madrid's, we got to get out of here. You know, this isn't like working because we just keep packing our bags thinking we're going home right because they still booked it we still booked the flight right and we decided like let's just go to germany and decided to go to berlin at that wow. point but did yeah. you, and at the time did you still have that pretty free-spirited mindset that like we're in europe we're in joy or did it start to get frustrating or scary even it got to the point like we're not going home like there were points where like <laughs> you know we're sitting like we're going like sitting inside we're like we're actually not going home like it got past the point a little bit of thinking like, oh, this is funny. Like, oh, we're in Europe, you know? And then it, it lost point, its like, novelty a little bit. Yeah, I'm like, oh shit, like, when are we going home? Like, this is like, you know, at points, you know, we're just like, what the hell are we doing? Like, you know, what's what's going to happen? So that was the kind of, you know, scary feeling about that. Like not knowing when you're going to go home, you know, especially when money's, you know, also a factor because you're also, you know, you're not getting paid by the government at that point, you know? So you're still like trying to work out how you can get cheap accommodation. Of course. you still going to survive. But we thought, yeah, we'd have to get out of, you know, Madrid and like... Because there was point, just the flights weren't just, yeah. leaving there. They're all cancelling on you. All cancelling. And then it was just getting so much more lockdowns. We're like... And then we realised like Berlin, just like... They still got stiff stuff control, but it seems a bit more lenient. So we flew over there and then kind of... And it's just you and Brad at this time? Or did you mention you got some other friends? Uh, yeah, so it's Brad, me and Brad at that point, And also my other mate Pip and Ruby were there as well. So, but me, Brad and Pip, Pip and Brad, Brad Pip, we <laughs> went to, yeah, went to Berlin, just three of us, and kind of started living life there, I guess, and trying to take what COVID is like over there. Okay. And that was kind of similar, but, you know, much more lenient. So, yeah, in Berlin there, like, was there lockdowns in Berlin, for example? There were still lockdowns, like, there were still lockdown laws, but their lockdown laws were quite, I guess, a bit more chill in that instance, especially, like, places were still open, but, you know, with, like, Berlin lifestyle, like... You'd have a lot of bars being like, all right, 12 o'clock, either stay in or you leave. And you're like, we're still in Berlin. Like, you're still going to, you're still going to stay. Yeah, you know? of course. But they had similar things like, you know, you can't leave, you can't go here and there. Um, but it wasn't as much as Madrid we, we thought. And you can't, we kind of just got over being in Madrid, like being in such like a, you know, COVID mindset. We're like, let's you know, go to Berlin for a bit. Still enjoy there. Still try and travel around there, which is, yeah, it's a bit more lenient, which I think like helped a lot, you know help with the mental health a lot, lot as well. Of course. Yeah, man. Getting out of there. So yeah. How long were you in Germany for? 
Germany for until maybe what July, maybe two months. Oh wow, maybe you were there months. for a while. Yeah, maybe no, November, maybe three or four months actually. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. So it wasn't oh, just like you're a passing. Yeah. Full <laughs> in living in I was like, you're yeah, living like in Germany, resident. man. <laughs> yeah. Shit, I didn't realize it was that long. I thought you were just there for like a couple. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, so what was that like? That was a yeah, f- uh, fun fun time. Like especially you know. Because COVID was kind of coming, not coming out of it, but I guess yeah, a bit more chill in that instance. Like, we we were able to manage to um to find a Airbnb, and the guy's name was John Smith. I'm like, John Smith is the most basic fake <laughs> yeah. name. When you're making an f- account, your name is John Smith. Like, this is not gonna work 100%. out, right? And then so we go to we made up with John Smith, and just like boys, like, <laughs> this guy sounds Aussie. Like, come in, like. You're from Australia? You're like, yeah, from Melbourne. I'm like, no oh, way. Like, there's no way I'm meeting another guy from um, but, um, from Melbourne. And he kind of just hooked us up with like a place for like the next three months, you know? What a legend. Um, and his actual name was, and then Andy, Andy King, which he also put his name as Andres Koenig. And Koenig means king in um, German. So Andres Koenig, real name Andy King. I'm like, this is why you make your name like that. Like, you know? Wait, so hold on. His name, he, it was a, Fake name on purpose. Yeah. And what was like, the reason for doing that from Big Andy? He's like, he probably just gets like people that just like, he doesn't want. And these things like, he doesn't want to give these real name and then use these like a fake name. Okay. He, was a, he was a DJ there as well. So that was oh, his DJ name. Oh, was he a bit yeah. How old was he? He would have been like 30 Okay. something. Why was yeah. I thinking, I was thinking of an old dude for some reason. Especially when it's like John Smith, you know? You're yeah, thinking like, that's yeah. probably why. <laughs> no, he's like in his 30s and he was, um, he was a DJ. So he was flying to some... He was flying to like Croatia and things like that. He was managed to like fly in and then he's like, I need someone to take care of the house, the apartment. And we're like, perfect. So that was a hookup for like, you know, two, three months. But within that, we still moved around to maybe three different apartments as well. Okay. Same thing, like thinking like, we're going to fly out. We're going to so fly yeah, here and there. So over that three months, are you consistently still trying to fly back to Melbourne? We had two flights, I think. Um, at one point, it was just no flights at all. It was just like, when the flights come, we'll go, you know. So I kind of just thinking like, when we go, we'll go. Let's just see like when it's going to, you know, when, when we can fly out kind of thing. But I think we had a flight in August or September. Right. Um, I think I was the first to go. So within this time, you know, COVID's still there, but like, yeah, kind of coming out of it, kind of going back into it, but different lifestyle compared to, you know, Mallorca and Madrid. Um, and so I think it cancelled once or twice. And... Finally, I think it was in August or November, no, August, September, I had a flight to India and I'm like, I'm already in Europe. I'm doing all this stuff, right? And I'm thinking, I'm already, you know, here, like I should go visit family. You're oh. thinking like during COVID time, like, you know, you shouldn't be traveling all that, right? You're thinking like, maybe you shouldn't go anywhere else. But I'm like, I'm already here in Europe. I'm like, I don't know when I'm going back. And flights to India were actually there. So were they um, cheaper than flights back to Melbourne? They were, yeah. They were like, you know, normal, like, you know, quite reasonable prices, you know. Right. And, you, and I'm like, I might just get a flight to like India. You think, you know, the population there is probably that's the last place you want to go, you know, especially with like, you know, COVID happening. And I think it was like a week out and I'm like, oh, this could be the time where we actually, I might be actually leaving. Like, you know, it was like, it was an emotional time as well. I was thinking like, I'm actually leaving. Like, could like, you know, one of the boys are making it out. And like, you know, <laughs> it felt like someone's making like, it out. All, you know? Yeah, like one of the lads is just like leaving yeah. prison for the first time. <laughs> 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 Who's leaving? He's leaving. Is he leaving yeah. though? And it was, yeah. 
<laughs> but the whole time, like, I'm not leaving. Like, the night before, I'm like, I'll pack my bag. Like, I'm not leaving. So you were quite sad to... to I was, because I'm go. thinking, like, damn, this has been a good lifestyle. Like, as much as it's been, like, during COVID, like, this has been such a great lifestyle. Like, but I'm actually leaving, like, but I do want to go home. You know, it got to the of point course, where you ticked man. over, you're like, man, I want to go home, you know? Of course. And so we had the, I had the flight to India. Um, and so I packed my bags and like tomorrow morning, I'm like, we're going. I'm like, woke up. I'm like, oh shit, I might actually be going. Like, this is actually not happening, is it? And then I got on the flight and then eventually got to India. I think it was like September. No, actually no, it's no, it's more, no, more November. Yeah. November. November. Yeah. Wow. Hang on. So that's maybe yeah, like more than four or five months in Berlin. It's November. Yeah. And then I spent a month there in India. Wow. Um, just with family and. That was, you know, COVID didn't exist there. COVID did exist there, but... Because it got quite bad in India at it one point. It got quite bad. Was that, did that not link up to when you were there? Oh, no, it definitely Really? Did. But, like, the way people handled it there was, like, doesn't exist. You go to any place, no one's got a mask on, you know, people are sitting next to each other. You're going to a petrol station, everyone's next to each other, and, like, the rates are going up. Like, COVID was still existing, but no one just gave a shit about it. Wow. Do you think... You know? um, is that something to do? I've heard that you, you can tell me I'm completely wrong, but is there is there something within parts of Indian culture where they're more comfortable with death? Yes, it's more like I guess they're quite like you know, especially in Hinduism in general, it's quite spiritual in that sense, right? But I think more like in the north of India, they comfortable with it, but they more I guess have like ceremonies to deal with it, right? As opposed to you know other countries they have ceremonies to deal with death as opposed to just like you know okay cremation like so it's not, is it not necessarily like a completely negative thing or am i completely making something um, up? um no like it's not a negative thing like especially they have you know they have the sense of like afterlife is quite exactly uh, yeah quite i think that's prevalent. what yeah. i'm sort of getting at they have that's quite you know like when you kind of pass away it's kind of you take your form in another sort of you know as an animal or some sort of deity you know deity um so I guess in that sense, when you link it back to, you know, coronavirus. That's what I'm thinking, man. Like, it's just like, I think there's a bit of this in Somalia and Somaliland mm. as well. Like, cause they're quite religious and it's just sort of, if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. It's gonna, and it's, yeah. Gonna and it gets me. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. In some, some other countries around the world, it, it's people quite, are more comfortable with that. But then you still think, you know, Corona time, like COVID time, you think. They counter with it. I think it's the fact that they just don't give a shit. Yeah, with such a high or know, they don't they don't have this the resources, resources or facilities yeah. to actually combat mm. COVID. Do they? Yeah, actually, we knew yeah a few people that passed away as well. Like, and then it's been starting to get more serious. Like, yeah, yeah. man. Well, my yeah, my well, we actually passed away oh, right. in yeah in, in Australia. So yeah, it was a thing, man. Yeah. But it's just. Yeah, it's just a crazy time, and the fact that you were doing it yeah. whilst traveling is Looking is back, ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. then eventually, eventually, yeah, eventually made it out, you know. <laughs> and you got back to so when did you officially get back to Melbourne? Do you think I got back in second week of Jan? Wow, man! So you were gone a year and a half. Year and a half, yeah, almost like end of Jan, and that was like trying to get tickets back. My mum just happened to be on hold with like Emirates for like you know. A while, like, I don't know how she did it. She said she was calling up very frequently and eventually she got through and just got, like, pretty standard tickets, like, happened to get through. And, yeah, leaving, I was like, I'm actually going home. 
but then got home and then went straight into hotel quarantine. Oh. You know? <laughs> like, shouldn't complain. To the but, last you know, kick in the nuts. Yeah. And then had like New Year's and New Year's and Christmas, I think, in... Yeah, in, in, quarantine. in hotel quarantine. A lovely little which welcome. Was, yeah, back which is to fine, Oz. but I'm like, I already made it back. You so did you know. it, man. What, did it, what an incredible story. Mm-hmm. Um, not many people, I think, would have taken that whole scenario as well as you did, <laughs> but you truly did just um, take it on the chin and, and you could appreciate where you were and then it was mm-hmm. still, you're still pretty lucky to be in your position, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, my last question for you, sir, is... Yep. Do you have any learnings or, or takeaways from your experiences and and, and traveling and, and being overseas at, at such a such a wild time? I think my I guess biggest advice, which I guess might sound a bit cliche, is get out of your comfort zone. You know, especially being out of being in a different country, like kind of stretch that you know the box, the bubble of your comfort zone and yourself out there you know like a lot of people say holiday you is a different person you know you're holidaying but you're trying to mm. make that experience to make it not just a holiday but make yourself a different a better person at the same time because you know you're in this you know you're living in here in melbourne in, in australia but when you're in a different society like that you should just take in every opportunity you can get and not just you know not go by the classic i guess meaner of how a holiday should be, you know, kind of get out of situations where do things that you wouldn't do when you're here in Melbourne, you know, yeah. do things that you're not really used to, you know, take it, uh, you know, take a bus somewhere here, you know, jump off a cliff and, you know, do things that you just wouldn't, because those are things, you, you know, you're going to regret when you come back when you're always going to come back and think, oh, I should have done that. I should have done this, you know, which always happens. But I think just putting yourself out there and making yourself feel very vulnerable, you know. I love that, man. That's amazing. Should. Yeah, you go over Go over and, and live, and and mm-hmm. and it's not holidaying, but yeah, actually live and experience and make yourself a citizen there. Make yourself yeah, like man. you actually live there. Yeah, you know? of course, man. Don't be a tourist. Make yourself like you live there, like you belong there. Of Even course. though you might just be there for like a week. No, I love that. <laughs> I love that little sentiment, man. Thank you so much for for jumping on today, Rahul. I really, really loved our chat. It's so interesting to hear someone to to actually have been overseas mid COVID. I genuinely don't think I know anyone who was and yeah you're, you're a really cool dude man i really appreciate it happy to be here man thanks for having me bro thank appreciate you brother it.